This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. We think of farms as plots of land, ground in which to grow food, which, of course, they are. But for a group of North Carolina refugees, a farm can also be a place of solace. My parents, they would sleep for like five hours. That's a max for each night. And they'll be spending eight hours at the farm and eight hours at their work. And there's like no rest for them. They just love it. You're listening to Gravy. 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 <laughs> Stories of the changing American South through the foods we eat. We are a production of the Southern Foodways Alliance, and I'm Tina Antolini. Today we have the story of a group of refugee teenagers from Southeast Asia in their own words. They and their families live in North Carolina, but they're originally from Burma, which is also known as Myanmar. Over the last decade, more than 7,000 refugees from Burma have settled in North Carolina. Many of these teenagers, though, were born in refugee camps in Thailand. They're ethnically Karen, and the conflict in Burma between their people and others goes all the way back to their grandparents and great-grandparents. Back during British colonial rule in Burma, the British favored the Karen and other ethnic minorities. During World War II, the Karen supported the British, while other groups supported the Japanese. Then, after Burma achieved independence from Britain in 1948, the persecution of the Karen people began. And so did their insurgency against the government. Hundreds of thousands of Karen people have fled Burma since then. For those that came to the Chapel Hill area, Transplanting Traditions Community Farm is a place of respite. It's one of 60 farms across the country funded by the Federal Office of Refugee Resettlement. Here, refugees can grow familiar foods, maintain a sense of their community, and for teenagers trying to walk the line between adapting to their new home in the U.S. and a connection to their old one, it's also a gathering spot. Coming right up, we'll have their stories in their own words. First, there is that donor music. Folks have been cooking with cast iron for over 2,000 years. Originally over open flames set in first century fire pits, and more recently on perfectly calibrated 21st century gas stoves. Here in the South, for the last 120 years, Lodge Manufacturing has cast the nation's cookware of choice. It's a family-owned foundry, manufacturing cast iron since 1896 in South Pittsburgh, Tennessee. Lodge has won national and international acclaim for its artisan American products, like Dutch ovens, camp ovens, skillets, and griddles. Along with investing in its foundry, Lodge invests in their community, and they invest in the mission and programming of the Southern Foodways Alliance. We're so grateful for their support. And now, back to our story. So there's a group of Karen teenagers in Chapel Hill, North Carolina, that spend a lot of time at Transplanting Traditions Farm. They help their parents with farm chores and work in a teen program where they learn job skills, teach younger kids, and lead cooking demonstrations at farmer's markets. Radio producer Alex Blair spent several days with them at the farm, helping them to record their own stories. This episode is composed of just their voices, 
which they recorded themselves. Hello, my name is Riri Wei. I am 18 years old. I was born in a refugee camp that is in Thailand. It's by the border of Thailand and Burma. I remember my mother. She used to farm and grow vegetables at some plots that were given by the UN or like the Thai people. I don't know what the organization is called. I think here in America, we still farm for the same reason. Farming is also like, I think a cultural practice in Thailand and in Burma. But like our ancestors, they, that's what they used to do. So there you can also like grow those vegetables for your family and then you feed your family with it and you can also sell them. And that's the same thing here in America. But in the end, that's not how I think my parents feel. They do it because they love it. And they would choose farming over their work and over sleep. This farm particular transplanted edition is really important to the community here. Um, not just for the Karen and the Burmese community, but for the non-Karen Burmese and before the white and the African American and everybody in this community because this farm is teaching the community a lesson about who the Karen people are. Why do we become a refugee? During World War II, we helped out in the war. We were part of the Allied group and ever since the war was over, we were the forgotten group here we don't want you to like give us like material stuff but we want you to give us opportunity to show ourselves and then like just to get to know us and then learn more about us hi this is tatha and i'm at the farm right now i'm walking on gravel walking towards grass it's a little bit wet from the rain yesterday and I'm about to go interview a man who's walking around looking at plants. Do you call it Batik one or me? Kekan the Madamula. The Madamula, okay. He said, I'm not doing anything, just walking around looking at plants. He said, I'm really old, have nothing to do. <laughs> he said, coming here uh, reminds him of where he was from and how he had run. He said he had to run away from the Burmese government or soldier or else he would get killed in many different ways. And it's a very hard life. I was pretty small when I left uh, Thailand, so I didn't really have an experience of, on farming. But like, I guess I could connect to it because as my parents and my grand, uh, grandparents uh, told me stories in the past, I guess I can relate to that more because of this. Because I had the experience to see what goes on, how rice is grown, and how these vegetables grow, like turo and uh, banana trees, seeing them grow. No, look up your name, Were you a soldier when you were in Burma? You served for around like two to three years. You said, uh, <laughs> <laughs> when they go into the battle with the Burmese government, they would always be the one on the run because they would always be outnumbered. They would have around like 20 to 30 men, while the Burmese government would have around like 100 men with better equipped. Then when you're running, you, uh, you starve for a couple of days. You might not know when your next meal is because you're uh, on the run most of the time and you don't have time to find food. You're worried and you're like 
in the jungle. They living in Burma. You have to be be in fear constantly. You never know when they're gonna come and get you. And when they do come, you don't know what's gonna happen. Either you will get shot, you will get beaten, you will get beheaded. We're looking at rice right now. We're talking about how it's not the same as the one in Burma or Thailand. He's talking about how looking at this, this rice plant reminds him of uh, Burma and how this is a small plot of rice, but where he came from, there's a big plot of rice and it's all green. And when the wind comes, they all flow in one motion. He said it reminded him of his homeland. My name is Lawin Tway, and I am recording in my room. It's very messy. There's a mark at my house right now, and whenever he comes, we have to make him food. Right now, I'm chopping down the tomatoes. It's in the morning right now. It's uh, about seven something. I'm in the kitchen. Uh, I'm gonna make food for the monk, and so I'll be making muoto. Muoto is a um, Korean dish that we almost always have to have when we eat. Muoto is um, a spice paste dish to eat with uh, rice, and there's like a million ways of making muoto. But as for me, I am gonna be making it with tomatoes, onion, cilantro. So it's just me and my mom cooking right now. Technically, we're the only two awake because it's still early for the others to wake up. I am tired. We had to rush through the food making process and he is eating right now. Right now it's about, it's 2.30, I mean 8.30. So we're a bit late. Not a bit, we're late. Okay. Okay, so I'm with my sister in the car right now and we're gonna drive to uh, Transplanting Tradition Community Farm. What is being Karen? I don't know what is being. It's no different than being other people. Like, what do you think of some of the aspects that are different from others? Be Karen? Oh, oh, people think that you can't really wear short just because you're a Karen girl. You always have to be like moderate in a way. From what I see and from what I experience, there are a lot of different um, expectations for a girl versus a guy. I feel like the society of Korean society is really strict about what we wear. I've been living in America for half of my life and I am just being American, but at the same time trying to keep the expectation for what the Korean uh, parents have is just like I feel like since they can't do a lot of stuff that when they grow up they expect us to like 
do the thing that they can't do. So for me, I am just trying to do the best I can and at the same time meeting up to their expectation. Are we even halfway to, to the farm yet? She drives really slow. Can you listen to the song? This is the perfect song <laughs> of life. <laughs> what I was talking about. <laughs> this is the radio um, 105.1. Listen to some more songs. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. What do you think is better, American food or um, Korean food? That's a really hard question because I like both of them. I don't yeah. think I have a preference. When I'm in school and I, I, I'm living the American culture when I'm in school and I'm speaking English, I have American friends, I'm eating American foods, and then I go home and I go to my alternate world, my other world, the Korean culture. I have Korean food that I normally don't like eat out in public. I speak in Korean to my parents. I'm like two people. So it's like, you know, Hannah Montana. She <laughs> gets to live in two worlds, so I'm like that, man. I try and leave my Korean culture with the Korean culture and my American culture with the American. I don't like have them connect. And, and that's hard because people will ask me about my Korean culture and stuff like that. And I don't know whether I want to tell them or not. If you could introduce like another culture to your culture, what would be the first thing you would introduce them to? Food. Rice. <laughs> what else? Like that's, that's our main dish. Like if you know rice, you know you're from Korean. Or like you're from Asia. <laughs> From Asia, of course. Rice is our life. <laughs> so yeah, rice is life. My parents, they came to America. I came with them in 2008. I think I was about eight years old. I was really young, so I, I don't remember a lot of stuff, but I remember the refugee camp I was in. I never thought about like why. I lived there, it never occurred to me because I was just born there and I was just living there. Right now my mom's housekeeping and my dad is also and they work at like UNC housekeeping. Yeah, that's their job right now. My mom works in the morning at 7 until 5 o'clock. My dad works at, at night at 10.30 when he leaves and then he comes back at home about like 7. That's when my mom leaves. A lot of like 
people from America didn't know that most of the current people here are from are from refugee camps. So they instantly think when they see us that we're just like just moved here because we wanted to or like we just like wanted to come here. We had a multicultural fair back in elementary. My um, parents were like setting up a whole um, pot full of our uh, soup, like our soup and noodles. There's like kids that are like very new to Korean food, so they've never uh, seen it before. And then there's this like one kid that got the dish and she didn't want to eat it because she thought it was disgusting. And my sister was really sad about that because she really liked the dish herself. So the fact that she thought that it was disgusting made her feel very bad about it because she loved the dish. So telling someone that it's disgusting makes you feel like, is this weird for me to like something like this? Kind of like just question, question your like liking. Like, should I like this? Is this because you don't like it? Should I like it? <laughs> We're here at Transplanting Tradition Farm, and there are uh, people here preparing for the market tomorrow. The water sound you're hearing, he's washing off the plants that were on the concrete. They're having conversations about what they're selling. So, Yechana. Question love, uh, Kalawatika, done it. What's your name? Siri Tu Namamla. What are you doing right now? Just a while ago, I was washing the plants to sell for CSA. Uh, She's worked here for five years. She loves working here. Okay. Here at the farm, my parents, they grow a variety of vegetables. We have from American lettuces, like a lot of American stuff, to growing our native vegetables. And a lot of the American vegetables we would bring back home is the salad mix. A lot of like American food, we don't know how to eat them or don't know how to cook. But my parents also plant our native vegetables too. And those native vegetables, we use them a lot of things. We would grow herbs and spices while we also grow um, other vegetables that we can eat at our home. A lot of them are like roselle, Thai chili pepper, Thai cilantro, Thai basil, water gourds, snake gourds, bitter melon. If we grow them enough, it lasts us for a whole winter. We're driving back to my house. Uh, we were just at Transplanting Tradition Farm. And here's a Karen song. Or So here are the songs that my dad listened to, but the rest of the kids don't really like listening to. Just got home and we're coming in through the garage. 
My mom's cutting some plants. I'm about to take off my shoes. Dada, say hi. Hi. Say hi. How old are you? You're two years old. Give me a kiss. I love my little brother. He's not my favorite because he's can be mean sometimes. I'm talking into the recorder. Now I'm gonna talk about my people, my Karen people. Well, just because we're Asian, I don't want you to assume that all of us are good at math or very smart or we eat certain type of food because um, we're, we're not even a part of that. We're not Chinese. We're not Japanese. And someone asked me if I was Koreanese once, which is stupid. Looking at me, I don't want you to assume... I'm the only type of Asian you know, and that is Chinese. For me, I can't really speak Korean because I've kind of lost my language over the years since I came here like only three years old. So when I talk at home, I talk to my parents in um, English, but they would respond back in Korean. I know a lot, like I know how to understand Korean when someone says Korean, but I just can't speak it back to them. But also another thing is like every time someone comes to my house or something, they're always like, Oh, your daughter's Korean, but she can't speak Korean. And she's, they're always like, you're not a Korean person if you can't speak Korean. And that kind of really makes me upset because, like, I like to be Korean and stuff. So I kind of want to, like, be able to speak it. I feel out of place sometimes. Like, I don't know where to go. I'm so I am here at Transplanting Traditions. Um, and right now, we are hearing the rain, and my name is Riri, and um, I think it sounds so beautiful that I want to get a recording of the rain, and maybe you can hear a little bit of some birds. For me, it is very hard. In terms of, like, relationship-wise, my parents have a hard time accepting that, like, who I should and shouldn't date. When my parents found out that, like, I was dating a Mexican, my mom, <laughs> I like, uh, both of my parents have difficulties accepting that. He's Mexican, and being a Mexican, there's already, like, stereotypes. On top of that, he's undocumented, so he doesn't have any papers, so that just make it really hard for my mom to accept that. And then the only thing that, like, like in the back of her head, she's very conservative, she wanted me to be with somebody who's Christian, Baptist, Baptist Christians, and who's a Korean boy. But I'm in a new generation, and I've learned that like love is in the heart and not the nationality or ethnicity. So, yeah. Hello, I'm Kala T, and I'm at Transplanting Tradition, um, Traditional Community Garden, and I'm looking at um banana leaf and like it's kind of new seeing banana leaf because you don't see that in america often do you 
and I see sunflower seed and flower and like um, some stands. So since we're in a garden, you'll probably hear bird chirping and like rustling um, from people activity and like probably cicadas from time to time because they're making lots of noises anyway. What does farming mean to you? To me, farming means to be out with nature, to do something that's good for yourself, like planting something that will actually benefit you, and it's a way of life. A lot of people, like I've heard from my parents, they said that like farming has helped them to relieve stress, and they feel like they're at home right now, especially they are living here in America, and they miss their home so badly, and their home is in Thailand and Burma. And being here at the farm, they feel like they're home again and they're doing the things they used to do. And being like, I guess, spiritually calm at a place that you, you like to be, that's one of the, like, the biggest benefit you'll get from farming for people who do this for their whole life. This piece was produced by Alex Blair, with the recordings made by the teenagers themselves, who are... My name is Carla T. I'm 17 years old. I am Hikarei, and I'm a 15-year-old. My name is June Lin, and I am 16 years old. Hi, my name is Talar So. I'm 14 years old, almost 15. My name is Tata So. I am 16 years old. My name is Riri Wei. I am 18 years old. My name is Lawin Tway. I am 18 years old. Thanks to Nicole Accordino and Kelly Owensby, the directors of Transplanting Traditions Farm, to Dan Partridge and Harlan Campbell of Duke's Center for Documentary Studies, which loaned us the gear for the teens to use. Thanks to Emily Ricard for her production assistance, and to Jones Franzel, Jenny Asarnow, Neil Sandell, and Courtney Stein for their wisdom on youth audio workshops. Music for this episode was by Blue Dot Sessions. Our theme music is by Wendell Patrick. Donor music is by Jazar. Gravy's managing editor is Sarah Camp Milam, and our intern is Tyler Pratt. Coming up, a taste of the next episode of Gravy. But first, visit southernfoodways.org to meet 2016 Keeper of the Flame Award winner David Shields. Shields is the Carolina Distinguished Professor of Southern Letters at the University of South Carolina. He's also chairman of the Carolina Gold Rice Foundation and author of Southern Provisions, The Creation and Revival of a Cuisine. His research nurtures the fragile biodiversity of this place and the farmers who dedicate their lives to its continuance. At southernfoodways.org, you can also become an SFA member. Your membership dollars will support SFA work, including our oral history projects and this podcast. Coming up on the next episode of Gravy, a hunt for the origins of corn in Mexico. Maize in Mexico is because it was the basic food crop. A lot of the cultivation goes around really preventing hunger. So conejo, which means rabbit, is a really quick crop. And you can have from seed to harvest 90 days, which is really, really fast. That's next time. You are listening to Gravy. I'm Tina Antolini for the Southern Foodways Alliance. And as you go about your daily life, please remember, make cornbread, not war. Oh, 
And if you like that phrase enough to wear it, visit our friends at billyreed.com for a variety of hats, shirts, and more.